Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that keeps you in touch with your Houston Texans, no matter what time of year it is. And it is Christmas Eve Eve, so it's great to have you with us tonight. It's also Thursday, and that means that we have the General John McClain with you, Mark Vandermeer, John Harris hosting. General, good evening. Merry Christmas. How's it going? Merry Christmas and and happy holidays to you guys and all the listeners. It's hard to keep up with the Texans because so many people have tested positive for COVID-19, and I'm trying to keep a running count. It's 21. The league has no plans to move this game back a day or two like they did to other teams. And of the ones that me, and I look at all these guys, all the starters in the defensive line, key members of the secondary, Camus, Grugier-Hill, and Christian Kirksey are out, and I'm guessing Grisha Hill might miss anyway because of his new injury. Uh, they can test Friday, Saturday, and as late as Sunday morning, see if they can get the guys back. But to me, the biggest is Kaimi Fairbairn because, you know, you got to go find a kicker off the street, and Kaimi has his last two-game stretch where he's been fantastic. Well, Justin Reed thinks that he's going to kick, I would imagine. I mean, he, he tweeted, I think, yesterday he's going to retire at some point and then give kicking a try. Um, and look, in the preseason game, he had to step up because Kaimi got dinged up and he had, he had to do it. John, I got to say, I mean, I wanted Justin to get back, but now it's to a point where y- you almost have to have Justin get back coming off the concussion because you, you named it. I don't know who on the defensive line has not tested positive for COVID. I know they've got a couple guys in the practice squad that were defensive linemen. I I mean, they got to have those guys, I think, just to get four or five. I don't know how it's going to get done. But when Lovey Smith met with the media today, he's like, "Eh, it's a challenge. We're going to go forth and do what we got to do. So Lovey's at least, I mean, all four playing on Sunday. I don't know how it gets done. Your thoughts about the defense in particular having enough guys to play? Hopefully they can get guys back in time for the game. But uh, one of those guys they got last week, Chris Smith, had a sack, played well against his former team, the Jaguars. So they got him they can elevate from the practice squad. The two guys they signed, Xavier Williams and Rondell Carter, are NFL veterans. This means Ross Blacklock is going to get more playing time than any time in these two seasons. And I'm eager to see what he can do in this circumstance. It's amazing the discrepancy between the offense and the defense. Now, the offense is missing their best player, Brandon Cooks, and uh, just McRae and Lane Taylor, but they don't have it nearly as bad. I feel sorry for Lovey Smith. I don't for Tim Kelly because he's still got his two quarterbacks. Think about the Browns. They didn't have their first two quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield and Case Keenum, and they went with Nick Mullins, who had only who had not thrown a pass for them before the game. He almost pulled out. But I feel sorry for what teams are going through, and it's almost not fair if the other team has very few. Chargers have 11 as we do this show, including Joey Bosa and Austin Eckler. Bosa's not vaccinated. He will not be back, but they're hoping that Austin Eckler can pass the two tests within 24 hours. Yeah, and reportedly Dominic Everly, the kicker who was with the Raiders and Panthers for cups of coffee, played at Utah State, so we'll see how that goes. Practice squad guy, uh, we'll see if he needs to be elevated in all likelihood, you would think so. But I think it affects the game, guys, because 
with Fairbairn hot in the last two games, that kind of changes your coaching, right? It changes your play calling. You know, you got a guy who can make it long distance late in the half, that situation. Hey, just get it in range 50 plus he's got it. You know, if you have a new kicker out there, you might think about going for it on fourth down a little bit more general. And let's be honest in a position that Texans are in. Why not? I don't think anybody would hold it against them. Now, we know Chargers coach Brandon Staley will go for it on fourth down because he's done it more than any coach, and sometimes it's backfired. Now, John Harbaugh is getting a lot of grief because he's gone for two-point conversion twice, and they've lost two games because of it. But the Chargers are going to come into NRG Stadium very aggressive on offense. And the Texans go back two games ago, remember when – uh, they were going to kick a 59-yard field goal with Fairbairn, and then John Weeks got penalized and they couldn't mm-hmm. do it. But they weren't hesitating. If they got within 60 yards, and and the 61-yarder was on the last play of the first half, but in earlier in the year, David Culley gave him a 56-yard opportunity. So that does change the strategy. you got to go for it on fourth down if you're within, say, say outside 45 yards. You know, their new kicker, if he's been a kicker, he ought to be able to make a 45-yard field goal, but I'm guessing he's not going to be anywhere near as effective as Fairbairn has been. Well, the Texans obviously have a number of COVID cases, but it's not as if the Chargers are are off the hook. Joey Bosa looks like he will be out of this game. Corey Lindsley is placed in the COVID reserve list. Two of the six uh, pro bowlers, the chargers have two of them are on that COVID list. You mentioned Austin Eckler a little while ago, but John, last I looked, Justin Herbert is still playing in this game. The second year star from Oregon has been outstanding and helped the chargers get to eight and six. I know we've seen a lot of good young quarterbacks in this league. John, where would you kind of place Herbert amongst the great ones in this league right now? Well, remember Patrick Mahomes rookie year, he played one game at the end of the year. So, in his second season, he was tearing up the league. Herbert has 32 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 99.1 rating. I wrote a column for Thursday that, uh, about Pep Hamilton's role in the development of Justin Herbert last year from Davis Mills this year and why David Culley likes him in that role and what Mills says about him. But Herbert, as a rookie, had 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and a 98.3 rating playing for Hamilton as his quarterback coach. And as Cully pointed out, Pep, he liked one reason he's liked him for as long as he has, it's what he did with Andrew Luck. You know, he coached Luck at Stanford, then the Colts hired him and he did a really good job developing him. Then in the fourth year, he was fired. But uh watching Herbert, who's six six and can run and is durable, and he's got Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Ordinarily, Austin Eckler has six, 62 catches out of the backfield. Then they got a left tackle who has done a great job. Uh, Scott Slater, they, they just, they've been building around him, and that's wise. I'm eager to see him play. He throws the ball deep. You know they're going to try to go deep early, and, and we'll get to see him a lot because they'll be going for it on fourth down quite a bit. John, and the it's way too early to have this conversation department. The Chargers as a franchise, quarterback-wise, they've got heritage here because Phillip Rivers, Hall of Famer, I think, you can correct me on that if I'm wrong, multiple AFC Championship game appearances, Dan Fouts, Hall of Famer, 
multiple AFC championship game appearances. You've got Herbert. If he turns out to be one of the great ones, this franchise can make the argument they might have more great quarterbacks than any other franchise as far as just guys who just shred in that department, in the passing department. No championships because the one Super Bowl they made was Stan Humphreys. Talk to me about that a little bit, about this take I have. Well, first of all, you left out their first great one, John Adel throwing to Lance Allworth uh, early in the 60s in the AFL days when the Oilers won the first two championships, but the Chargers lost those two games to them, and they were loaded with talent, and it started with quarterback and a skill position players. A lot of those guys are in the Hall of Fame. But you're right, this run they're on from Fouts to Rivers, and Rivers was, and Fouts were very durable. And now to Justin Herbert, who so far has been durable, and that's a big key to it, is making sure your quarterback stays on the field. Phillip Rivers, I remember when he got hurt before the Patriot playoff game in uh, Foxborough, and he had a scope on his knee, and then two weeks later he's playing against the Patriots, and the Patriots didn't win it. But his not just his durability, but his physical and mental toughness are – are unbelievable. That's one reason people respected him so much. And I still believe, even though he's been a great high school coach this past season, I still think someday we might see Phillip Rivers in the NFL's coach. Mm. Interesting. And that, that would be fascinating watching. And I'd love to see him mic'd up at that point. John, tonight, the Titans are leaking oil and they take on a team that is starting to get hot in the San Francisco 49ers your thoughts about tonight's matchup and if the titans lose dot 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 finish that sentence well if the titans lose they'll have a one game lead over indianapolis with two to play because they swept the patriots and out they lost to the texans and the jets but if you take your lead if you took say jonathan taylor out of the colts lineup and you took their best two best receivers out, how good is that offense going to be? It's not going to be very good. Now, A.J. Brown's supposed to come back. Julio Jones has been a wasted second-round pick. He's been hurt. They can't count on him. He's been hurt too much. And I'm guessing Mike Vrabel will use as a little motivation. They're a 9-5 team in first place in their division. They had one player selected for the Pro Bowl. How Jeffrey Simmons, their great defensive tackle, didn't get in there is beyond me. If I am the 49ers, I am worried about Jeffrey Simmons taking that out on me. And the 49ers, they've won six or seven. They're eight and six. They would be in the playoffs if they started tomorrow. Jimmy Garoppolo is playing really well. He's staying healthy. They've done a great job with an ingenious running attack, like using a receiver running back. And Garoppolo, I'm guessing, will get traded because you didn't trade all those number one picks for Trey Lance to have Garoppolo start the first two years. But the better he plays, the more likely the chance they have of getting something because with a quarterback crop being average for guys at the top, to me it makes guys like Sean Watson, Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe Aaron Rodgers, maybe Russell Wilson, even more valuable. And I count 11 teams that should need quarterbacks. Well, John, how do you think the Texans are feeling about Davis Mills now with three games to go after the 
good start he had against Jacksonville last week in the win. And what does he need to show to make them sort of back off a possibility of drafting a quarterback high this offseason? You know, a lot of them drafting a quarterback high. I think they're going to build him around it and go with him next year. His 82.2 rating second, 65.6 completion percentage second, 10 touchdowns second, 6.44 average per attempt third. And the only rookie quarterback playing better than him is Mac Jones with New England, and he should because he's playing Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, and a team with a running game and a defense. People don't seem to take into account when they're talking about Mills the fact that he has no running game. If he had a running game that was just Mm. 15th in the league, that would help him. And Cully has not shied away from talking about that. But I think, as Tim Kelly told us on Thursday morning, that since Mills came back, you can see his pre-snap recognition and looking at what the defense is planning, that's improved. And that sometimes happens when you get a different perspective of watching from the sideline while mm-hmm. another player plays. And he's got three good teams he's going against. Chargers 8-6, 8-6 and six, eight and six on the 49ers, 9-5 on the Titans, all competing for the playoffs. This is Nick Jacksonville. And I think it's great for him to finish against those teams to give Nick Casario and his personnel department and the coaches an even better opportunity to judge his progress. John, I saw a tweet today, and I don't remember it verbatim, but I'm paraphrasing when I say this, but it was something to this extent. Hard knocks is going to cost the Colts because more people are getting an opportunity to see players up close than they normally would during a season. Mm. The level of BS in that statement on a a scale of one to 10, one being no BS at all, 10 being absolute and total BS. What do you think about that? 10. (laughs) So you're watching hard knocks and you see Jonathan Taylor and you go, wow, we better do something to stop this guy. Like you're figuring it out from hard knocks. Give me a break. Uh, no, people have tried to say that about hard knocks all along. Texans that were on there went nine and seven, won their first division title, I believe. Uh, so, no, I don't buy that at all. Last year, the Rams and the Chargers were on there. And uh, I watched every episode. And the only thing that I thought stunt was stunning was how much grief Justin Herbert took about his hair and his hairband. John, pick an AFC North winner for me. You have the Ravens and Bengals getting together this Sunday. They're both eight and six in Cincinnati. Browns are at Green Bay. All right, good luck with that. And where are the Steelers, guys? Let's see. Seven, six, and one. I've got the um, Ravens winning this game. I don't see them getting swept by the Bengals. I don't see Zach Taylor sweeping John Harbaugh. So I have the Ravens winning. They've lost three in a row by four points. Lost by one to the Packers with a backup quarterback. And this guy playing Hundley, he's been better than Lamar Jackson. Jackson's been hurt. And that kid was an undrafted Mm. free agent last year from Utah. And it's amazing the job that Harbaugh's done under the circumstances this year. I think the Ravens are going to win this. I think the Ravens are going to end up winning that division. And I have the Bengals not making the playoffs. And uh, 
I think, and I, I just think their schedule is tougher. And there's some teams that have easy schedules from here on out. And uh, I did a column about this this week about who's got the tougher schedule, who's going to end up what and where. Like, I think the Rams are going to win the NFC West and the Cardinals will be a wild card team. And, uh, uh, and I think the Saints are going to overtake the uh, uh, Vikings for the last spot in the uh, – in the NFC wildcard race with Ian book at quarterback. Uh, by the way, the Steelers are at the chiefs on Sunday afternoon. Ooh. Ouch. Ouch. Ooh. That's a tough one, but it's a tough Ooh. division and they all play each other in the last couple of weeks. It's great. I love crunch time of December. Now the first two weeks of January as well, best time of the year of regular season. And uh, I'm pumped. And I've told people I've said this on talk shows. I'll, I'll never complain about Bill O'Brien's coaching. Because other than 2017, when Watson went down for the season and 22 players were on IR, you know, they were in all the races. And that was exciting. And right now with extra team, fan bases are so fired up right now because of their team having a chance. It is great for the NFL. And I look forward to the time when the Texans are part of that race again. John, what did you make last week after the Chargers-Chiefs game uh, it felt like social media was a divided area. Not that it always is, isn't, but it felt even more divided on the fourth down go for it situation of Brandon Staley. And then Sunday, Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, excuse me, goes for it to win the game against the Green Bay Packers. There's more uproar about it on social media. What do you make of those situations? And how would you, Coach McClain, handle fourth down situations in the NFL? First of all, I wouldn't go for it on my side of the field. I'm old-fashioned unless I had a great running back or a great quarterback and it was late in the game. Now, once I cross midfield, go for it. If I got a good quarterback or a great running back, when Harbaugh went for it against the Steelers, and he had, he had a healthy Lamar Jackson. If he wanted to win that game with Jackson having the option of running or throwing and he had an option to throw to – Mark Andrews just missed it. I don't blame him. But when you got a guy that's in his second season and he was undrafted, that's putting an awful lot of pressure on him to produce against a team like that. But maybe he thought, you know, we're just not good enough to beat them in overtime, so we got to go for it right now. And Harbaugh's been such a great coach. People may complain about it, but he's still John Harbaugh. And as far as Brandon Staley, you know, he's been maniacal. I think five times and it, if it doesn't make it, it doesn't matter. And I would expect him to do it a lot for the Texans. Texans have 14 red zone touchdowns, fewest in the league. They're the second worst team in the red zone. So if you do it and it doesn't work, odds are you think you're going to be able to keep the Texans from scoring a touchdown. And ordinarily they would have to settle for a field goal, but with Jamie Fairbairn out, you know, they might not get anything. So I think we will see him go for a lot of fourth downs. John, the Patriots are hosting the Bills. What level of surprise would you have if the Bills win that game? And if they do, yeah, they're still alive for that division. No doubt they'll both be tied. I picked Bills, and I did. I picked Bills to win because I don't see a rookie quarterback sweeping them. And I think they'll have a better offense than they had in that game in the snow. And I think Buffalo will win it, and I think the Bills 
After that, they have home games against the Falcons and Jets. So if they win this game, they're going to end up uh, 11-6. and six. I think they're going to win the division, and the Patriots are going to be a wild card. And uh, if, if Sean McDermott loses two games to a rookie quarterback when he's got Josh Allen, shame on him. Well, I wonder if he's going to feel some heat from that, too, if that ends up happening, losing to a rookie quarterback. Along those lines, John, Bill Belichick and the Patriots lost to the Indianapolis Colts last week. He was uh, not surprisingly short in his postgame press conference. Then when he did his Monday meeting with the press, he apologized. What in the Sam, you know, what is happening in New England for Bill Belichick to apologize to the media? Well, there was uh, speculation that his girlfriend had gotten to him and said, you know how bad you looked up there? You need to apologize. <laughs> and she might be the only one who can tell Bill what to do. And uh, it, we, you would expect him to be short after a loss like that. But I think he got more attention apologizing than he ever has done when he's talked to the media on Monday. John, you've covered the NFL for a long time. What is weirder, this COVID situation and covering this or say 1987 strike season with the replacement players. What's weirder? Weirder is, um, boy, that's a great question, Mark. I covered that every day and players were coming and going. But you know what? They're coming and going now. They had a strike in 82, 77. They didn't play replacement football. And that was strange. But, man, this virus, which, which can hit anybody, anytime, and you can't, to really prepare for it, Texans could have more guys test positive. So to me, the virus is the strangest. Mm. John, you mentioned the Texans having more players. Do you, I mean, I don't know how many more players it would take, but I think the Browns were 20 or 21 and they ended up moving that game a couple days. They're going to play on Saturday, played it on Monday. Do you think the NFL would think about moving the Texans game from Sunday at all? I think this, um, there was a lot made about Brown Center J.C. Treader, who was the president of the union, and them showing favoritism to the Browns. He tested positive today. Yep. And um, I think the NFL says the reason you have 16 players on a practice squad is I think the only way you wouldn't play is if you can't field a team. Now, the Browns didn't have the first two quarterbacks. The Texans do. I think uh, the NFL has said they don't discriminate against teams. But if the Texans end up with more than 20, what kind of response could the NFL give for postponing those games uh, to Tuesday and Monday and not doing it here when they could have more positive tests than any of those teams did? The Rams, the Browns, and the Washington football team. And the Chargers have 11 as we speak. And uh, that could improve or, or it could not. So I think, I think one of those teams last week was on the tarmac ready to go when they got the word, ah, it's being put back, so go back. And uh, they turned around and went back to the terminal. Mm, unbelievable. That, I mean, that's got to be a gut-wrenching time. General, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? That's the third time I've been asked about that <laughs> um, today. And obviously, is a Christmas movie. The whole thing was was a Christmas theme, and the whole reason John McClane went went to L.A. 
was because it was Christmas and it was started with a Christmas party. And mm-hmm. I will, and I will tell you guys a story. Uh, the Oilers were coached by Jerry Glanville mm-hmm. and they had a night off the next day at his news conference media said, what'd you do on your night off? I said, I went to a movie. Oh, what'd you see? He said, I saw something I thought I'd never see. Everybody gets real quiet. What? He goes, a John McClain with guts. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll leave you guys with this. yippee ki <laughs> he, he dropped off. General, what do you have going on in the Chronicle? I'm writing uh, for Friday about the coaches and players preparing as the life in the NFL goes on because COVID-19 is the world in which we live in. For Friday, Brooks Camino's got a story about David Culley on Sunday. We got a podcast and a podcast too. Thank you guys very much. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and I will see you soon. Merry Christmas, yippee Kaye. Thank you, General. And coming up, John Harris and I play Who's Better? Plus, we'll have some keys to the game as we get ready for Sunday. It's Texans Radio. It's Texans All Access. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Merry Christmas. Christmas Eve Eve show. Eve Eve. That's right. And we're doing it here, Johnny. You ready to play Who's Better? Man, it's Christmas. Oh, that's right. It's the 23rd. I have yes. totally lost on what day it is because I'm in still football mode. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, okay, today's Thursday. That's, that's all I'm concerned about yeah. right now is just football mode. But yeah. Thankfully, well, thankfully, all the uh, taking care of business stuff, as you would uh, as you would call it, is already in the books, except for a big grocery store run for the eating part of Christmas. Well, I need to start my Christmas shopping very soon. <laughs> I mean, it's getting it's getting a little late here, even for me. So, <laughs> yeah, I think it's time, Johnny. It's time yeah, it's that time. I dove in here. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> all right. Let's play who's better. OK, we're going to start with the draft. Because the Texans currently are what? Third, right? Third. In the order. Yes. Okay. So the teams in front of them, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Detroit Lions. Who's better? Jacksonville or Detroit? Lions 2, 11 and 1. Jags 2 and 12. The Detroit Lions have been better throughout the year. I think the Jaguars have just not, you know, they had kind of a stretch in the middle where they went to London, they beat the Dolphins. And you thought, okay, maybe they'll get it turned around. They went to Seattle, got house, and thought, oh, okay, same old Jags. Then they beat the Bills, 9-6, to six, and you thought, boy, Jacksonville's ready to turn the corner. You know, maybe Urban's got something here, and then it was just circling the drain again. The Lions have played well all year long. Look, I mean, you know, you look at the record and go, what, 2-10-1, but they had the Ravens game one. Justin Tucker had a 66-yard field goal. They had, I think it was the Vikings game one. They got beat, and that Tucker field was on the last play of the game. They got beat by the Vikings on a 55-yard field goal. That should have been two wins. I mean, it's right there. Yeah. Um, they should have beat the Steelers, even though they got a tie out of that. So they should have mm. four or five wins. Look, I'm not sending the, the Lions to the playoffs, but the Lions have played well. They have played hard for Dan Campbell, and they continue – to be a thorn in the side. Now, they didn't play well. I think it was against the Broncos. They did not play well in that game. But last week, uh, last week, the week before, Jared Goff was outstanding. 21 to 26, gets a win over the Cardinals. I mean, the Cardinals were road warriors. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Goff tested positive for COVID, but went 20 of 26 for 216 yards and I think three touchdowns. And they housed the, the Cardinals, the number three seed in the, AFC, in the NFC. So I think the Lions 
right now, if golf were healthy, to me, it would be the Lions that would beat the Jaguars. I would make the Lions a six-point favorite on a neutral field. Wow. All right. Very nice. And the Jaguars were favored over the Texans last week. We know how that went. All right. I've got three, eight and six teams. Oh, let's just go with two of them right now. One of them is here on Sunday. The Chargers are eight and six. The Colts are also eight and six. Who's better, the Colts or the Chargers? Ooh. well, I'm glad you left the third team out, which is the San Francisco 49ers, Mm. because to me, the Colts and the 49ers, although they played earlier this year, the Colts and 49ers to me are on a, on a similar trajectory, and that is the team you don't want to see in the playoffs. Mm. The Chargers, to me, can be sort of hit or miss. The Chargers can't stop the run. So if you've got a decent run game, you can control the clock, you can control the game because the Chargers really aren't – I mean, they're the fourth-worst run defense in the NFL. So you can move the ball. So if the, if the Colts are playing the Chargers, forget about it. The Colts are going to hammer Jonathan Taylor – uh, until the cows come home, and I don't know the Chargers could stop it. That said, the Chargers can score in a in a blink because of all they have. I think the Colts are better than the Chargers. I think the 49ers and the Colts are pretty much on the same kind of same kind of line. They're very similar teams. Colts can hurt you with Jonathan Taylor. 49ers can hurt you with a combo run game. Garoppolo, Wentz are kind of the same guy. Really good offensive lines for both groups and the defense, albeit. Not a ton of guys that you go, oh, man, there are superstars all over the place. They've got DeForest Buckner on the Colts. They've got interior guys and Nick Bosa for the 49ers. And they got Fred Werner. They got Darius Leonard. I mean, they're very similar teams. To me, the Colts and 49ers are very similar. And I think both of them are better than the Chargers. Okay, which, this is a who's better, which 7-7 and team comes out of the pack and does something in the playoffs, if they get there at all, seven and seven Raiders, seven and seven Broncos, seven and seven Browns, Saints are seven and seven, Dolphins are seven and seven, and the Vikings are seven and seven. Pick one, Johnny. Who's gonna do it? I think, I think it's the Browns, Ooh. and it's not. It's not because of what they did last year, but it is kind of what they did last year. Mm -hmm. I just think when you have Nick Chubb uh, available, you know, Case Keenum said it's good to have a full and healthy Nick Chubb in the backfield, and that's very true. And I think when they have that and everybody's healthy, I think the Browns' offense is very tough to stop. And if Baker can play like he did in the playoffs last year, the Browns are really tough out. I look at the other seven and seven teams. And I'm like, I don't trust any of the Saints quarterbacks at all. I really don't. I mean, Kirk Cousins of the Vikings. I mean, the Vikings have been all over the place. Mm-hmm. The Broncos, Teddy Bridgewater just got banged up. And I don't know that I completely buy uh, TB5. So to me, it's the Browns. I just think the Browns are the most talented team. Now, to that end, I think they probably have underachieved this year. Yep. Being seven and seven. I mean, that should be a, a nine and five team right now, but it's not. But that also scares me because I know that team can catch fire. And we also know how talented that team is. So I would say seven and seven. And the Dolphins, I know they're hot. No, I just think in a playoff situation, they don't they don't scare me. Not a playoff, not yet anyway. I do like what two is doing, but I'm not doing it. So I'm going Browns at seven and seven. I just think the Browns are gonna have a hard time getting there. You know, yes, that's you the hard play part. At Green Bay on Christmas. 
they'll go to Pittsburgh, which, you know, for them, they can do it, but it's such an emotional lift for them to win in Pittsburgh. Yep. And Pittsburgh is speaking of the seven, seven and seven teams. They're seven, six and one. And then they host the Bengals in the regular right. season finale. That AFC North is such a mosh pit right now. And it's really enjoyable to watch them fight it out. I think the Browns really needed to beat the Raiders the other night. Had they been able to do that? You know, Mall Santa almost got it done at quarterback, Johnny. <laughs> Mall Santa? Did you just call him Mall Santa? Yes, that's his nickname. You didn't know that? Mall Santa. The no. 49ers gave him that nickname. <laughs> I've never heard that. I that's love hilarious. That nickname. That's a great nickname. That's up there with Clipboard Jesus. I mean, that is so good. Mall Santa, Nick Mullins. Yes. I mean, that's awesome. That- <laughs> He, he kind of looks like ah, man, he beat funny. somebody and then I think it caught fire because somebody tweeted your team just lost to a squad that was quarterbacked by a mall Santa. <laughs> and because, <laughs> you know, he came off the bench for them yeah, or whatever yeah. spot yeah. starter and he got the job done. I mean, I just thought that was so good. I just that's that good. funny. I love that. I had not heard that. That is hilarious. OK, who's better Christmas movies? Okay. Oh boy. Who's better? It's a wonderful life or any other Christmas movie ever. <laughs> All right. I know. I, I know you're laughing, but you're about to get really, really mad at me. Oh my gosh. You've never seen. It's a wonderful life. Are you serious? I have. I've what about never your daughter. She's an I, actress. My daughter, my daughter has seen it. Yeah. My daughter has seen it. Why, I, I, why I are you opposed not. to seeing this film? It's not that I'm opposed to it. I just, I just haven't, I just haven't seen it. I mean, by you know, accident, you would think you would have seen it. You would think, you would think, but when it comes to Christmas movies, look, my family and I have put every Christmas movie you can think of mm-hmm. written on a piece of paper and we've got it sitting in a mug and we just pick one out like, okay, is it Christmas movie time? Yeah. And we go pick one out and we let the mug decide. <laughs> oh, really? The mug decides. So there, there are some, I, I, the home alone. I mean, I love home alone and home alone mm-hmm. Two. Actually, that was the first one that came up was home alone Two. But when it comes to Christmas movies, this is the one we put on the other night. This wasn't even mug, a mug choice. This was just our choice. A Christmas story. We watched yeah. that from beginning to end. We were cackling, howling at it. Christmas story. That's my favorite Christmas movie. Christmas story. Um, you got company. It, yeah, it's, it's a good one. I think I think Elf is really good. I think they did a great job because Elf has all the elements you're looking for. Right. There's redemption and Christmas spirit. And it's, you know, the climax of the movies on Christmas Eve. There's a lot of great elements to that. Yes. That's why when you have a non Christmas Christmas movie like Die Hard, it's not quite the same. (laughs) Yeah. Lethal Weapon. Is that a Christmas movie? I don't know. Doesn't it begin with Jingle Bell Rock? And it's a really oh, great right. movie, but it's not yeah. a Christmas movie. Anyway, it's not a Christmas movie. But I don't even think Die Hard. I don't even think Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Although I, I will say the best argument I've ever heard was what John McClane said. Yes, yes, absolutely. Our, our John McClane, not not Die Hard's yes. John McClane. No, no, not at all. Okay, and uh, Coach Cully agrees with you. All right, coming up, <laughs> give me a key or two to the game on Sunday as the Texans take on the Chargers at NRG Stadium noon kick. It's Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you. Texans radio as the Texans take on the Chargers Sunday at noon at NRG Stadium. Can't wait for that. It's going to be fun. I hope, Johnny, the COVID situation. Oh, my gosh. At practice today, we're looking. We're counting defensive linemen. 
It looks like we have enough to field a team at the moment. Let's just yeah. see how it plays out next couple of days because guys can pop any time. I mean, I feel like saying stop testing, <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's not really the way to do this, is it? Well, I thought that's what they were doing that with the protocols. But as I've reminded um, you know, a few people this week, you know, if, if you were deemed a close contact, because that, that's happened to me, that mm-hmm. I was deemed a close contact because I had spent a certain amount of time around somebody that had tested positive. I had to then test for the next five days, I think it was, which included the day before we flew out or the day we flew out, then the game that day at, at our hotel on the road. And thankfully I, I tested uh, negative and I, and I didn't have it, but that's how, you know, that's how I had to do it. And it was, and I'm assuming that's how these guys had to do it, but it's just this strange, odd world we live in. The biggest thing is just getting guys back healthy. Yeah. We want to mm-hmm. see him play football, but I saw Kendall lamb who played for the Texans back in 2015, played for about four years here with the Texans and just a great guy. And he's talked about his history with respiratory issues. And he just said, y'all pray for me because I got a feeling this is going to be pretty tough, especially on somebody with respiratory issues mm-hmm. like myself. So, you know, that's the thing you hope for is that there isn't a condition that keeps a guy from playing, but there's a condition that a, a guy has like Kendall Lamb is speaking of and that this COVID-19 thing hits them and it just is debilitating for them. So thoughts are with Kendall and obviously everybody that has tested positive and hopefully they can just get back safe. Yeah. I, look, respiratory issues. I get it because when I had COVID, the lung situation was very real for me. And oh. I know it's different for everybody, but for me, I felt the tightness. It was not, it was a very dry presence and it was tight and it made it harder to breathe. And I just thought, mm. man, if I wasn't in good health, this would be a yeah. real problem or could be a real problem. So oh. uh, you never know. But that being said, based on what we know right now, look, it's always tough to run the football for this football team. And I'm wondering if uh, they can get some of it done because with Brandon cooks on the list, Johnny, this is a yeah. big absence for Houston. Got to find a way to piece things together. Amendola returning would be a big help. No doubt. But Nobody is Brandon Cooks on this team other than Brandon Cooks. So how do they do it? Yeah, you bring up a great point, Mark. I think, and I mentioned this as we were talking to to John a little bit and talking about the Chargers a little bit last segment, the fact that they're fourth worst in the league against the run. The Jaguars, I think, were 20th in the league. And look, the Texans didn't set the world on fire, but they did enough on first down and second down such that they could get to third and six. They could get to third and five. They got to advantageous situations on third down. I mean, the first touchdown came on a third and one little rub route that Brandon sort of created. That, that to me, is what's lost. The fact that Brandon created that touchdown by just reading things and seeing things that a veteran's going to see that guys that haven't played a lot you know, may not see. But guys have got to step up and make plays. I mean, you know, like what, the next man up? I mean, that's a philosophy we always talk about. Nobody's going to be able to, to step in for Brandon Cooks and, and – be a one-for-one exchange, but maybe Chris Moore steps up and has a game like he did against the Patriots. Maybe you get that from Jordan VC steps up, makes a play here or there who was active yeah. last week. You never know, but it's an opportunity, and that's the only thing that I know some young players want. Just give me an opportunity to go out there. They're not going to be Brandon Cooks, but we'll mm-hmm. just be clear. But just like Billy Bean did in Moneyball, you couldn't replace Jason Giambi with one guy but maybe you can replace him with two or three guys. And maybe that's the, what's going to happen on Sunday. And hopefully it is what happens on Sunday. 
if I'm just drawing stuff up on the whiteboard without drawing up scheme, one thing I want to see, actually, it's two things, two jump balls, 50-50, well-placed 50-50 balls to Nico. I yep. want to see him get a chance, you know, maybe corner of the end zone. Maybe it's just on the sideline when you need a first down or something. But you got to place it right. You got to calculate it correctly yep. and let him fight for the football and win that fight. And I'll take whatever's coming because I want to see him get that done. I want to see that element in this offense. I think he can bring that to you. I think he can do it not only down in the end zone and in the red zone, but he could do it out on the field too. Mm -hmm. You get him in one-on-one -on -one situations and you just let him go up and make a play. I mean, you know, I remember famously when, when Hop got here, he's like, yo, Shabby, just throw it up to me. I'll go get it. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean you can't subsist on that. You can't do that mm -hmm. 15 times a game. But you can put defensive backs on notice like, hey, man, 6'4", 215 is about to go dunk on your head right here. That puts – that forces defenses to have to change. Like, hey, man, we're going to have to give this corner over here, Michael Davis, we're going to have to give him some help with Derwin James. Well, what does that open up if you have to do that and take that away? So I think there's a lot of things that you can do with Nico, not only in the red zone, but also just go routes where he can just go up over a DB and see what happens. Herbert is so good, and oh. you got to hope that, look, you don't have your regular D-line out there, and I don't, I'm not sure how you're going to get pressure, but, Johnny, last week I couldn't have predicted Derek Rivers and Chris Smith getting sacks and having yeah. big moments in the backfield. I Look, that, that to me was a Lovey Smith masterpiece last week, and I know a lot of guys played well, and it was all three phases and all that, but, man, you know, maybe, maybe just maybe he could find a way to get to Herbert. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're going to have to be a little bit creative with it, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's all right. But I'll tell you what, when, when Trevor Lawrence went back to pass last week, guys were moving, stunting, looping, doing different things, but they were coming relentlessly. That's what stood out was how relentless they were getting after it. And, look, there's no Corey Lindsley at center, Pro Bowl center, and Rashawn Slater's coming off being on COVID list last week, and he missed a game. So – you know, you hope with a guy like Slater that, you know, being home, you know, be from Sugar Land, went to Clemson High School, you know, playing in front of everybody, you know, maybe gets a little stressed. He hasn't played in a week. Lindsley's out. You know, look, you got to take advantage of the best, you know, and he's a rookie. And then Lindsley's out. You got to try and take advantage of it in some way, shape, or form. I don't think that offensive line for the Chargers is great. But with Lindsley and, uh, with Lindsley and Slater in the game, they're pretty, it's pretty good. But now Lindsley's out and Slater's just coming back. So maybe there are some uh, inadequacies with the other guys that you can win some one-on-one -on -one matchups regardless who's playing on this defensive line. Very cool. Johnny, thanks so much for the time. Looking forward to the game on Sunday. You got it, Mark. Looking forward to seeing you. That's the show. Thank you, General, for being on as well. And thank you all for listening. Have a great and Merry Christmas from all of us with the Houston Texans and Texans Radio. Go Texans!